Cool, what's going on people? Welcome to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. Are you joined by myself, Kweku? We also have in the building. Hey, 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 it's Bilal. Patrick, what's going on everyone? Tommy Dyer, hello. Cool, so we'll join up and linked up today on this Saturday. Cold our Saturday. So cold. Looking on the last few days have been mad. Mad. Snow setting like you, but yeah. This episode is going to be an interesting one. Um, it's kind of out of the normal kind of remit of what we've discussed in the past, I'd say. But um, We don't have a remit, man. We discuss anything, isn't it? To be yeah. fair, to be fair. But it's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit out there. But it's something that's been quite um, important to me as of late. It's something I've been exploring further and further and that's to do with nature. So are you, are you going to introduce the guest? Because Spence is... Come on, man. Come on, that's, that's what the build-up is about, to give context. Oh, okay. okay. Context. Right. God damn, Patrick. Anyway. <laughs> But also, Jane, with a special <laughs> guest who I will let introduce herself. Um, Beth, do you want to quickly just introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, my name's Beth, uh, Beth Collier. I'm a nature-based psychotherapist, and I also teach woodland living skills, natural history, and ecotherapy. So my work is very much about helping people um, explore their relationship with other people, but also with nature. Cool. cool. So, yeah, um, just for context, I met Beth because I actually took part in one of her um, programs um, called Wild in the City Nature Connectors and yeah the kind of story behind that was me trying to or realizing that growing up in a city you don't really have many opportunities um, for a lot of people don't have many opportunities to kind of explore nature and just be and live in a kind of more green space um, so I really got into that later on in my life um, and yeah Beth Franz's program in which she gets um, groups of people of colour and kind of introduces them to um, nature and exploring green spaces. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be interesting just to kick off to hear from everyone just about what their relationship has been like with nature. Uh, <laughs> I'll start. I mean, uh, so my my dad's mum and then she lives in, in Dorset uh, in Paul. So there's a lot of woodland around. So mm. every time I went as a kid, Spent a lot of time walking through like forests and stuff like that, and actually spent a lot of time in the, as a kid, kind of roaming around the new forest, which is it's not well, it ends kind of around Dorset, but it's mainly in Hampshire, so it's sort of going back a bit, sort of before Bournemouth, Brockenhurst. That's kind of where it is, just after Southampton. Um, so spent a lot of time there as a kid, uh, and also they were avid sailors, so I spent a lot of time on water. So it was a bit different, but you know. Um, uh, a lot of time sailing and a lot of time spending on the water. And somebody put it this way, that the earth is, what, 70% water? Mm. And the world looks very different when you're in uh, a stretch of ocean and you're looking at, you know, at a piece of land that looks very tiny. And so that actually gives you a bit of perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my my interaction with, with nature. Um, not, I haven't really been in Greenland so much, you know, uh, Whenever I'm not at my nan's place, I'm not really I'm back in the concrete jungle, which is London, you know, and things were a lot more fast-paced and whatnot. But yeah, that's pretty much my interaction with, with nature, woodland, and, and stretches of ocean. So, Tommy the sailor, man, <laughs> he's a box of surprises. You <laughs> know what I mean? That's a new one. Me and Patrick were like, "What the hell, man?" Yeah, I saw them looking like. Yeah, you know, I've actually, I've actually, I was just looking at. I mean, my mum was looking at baby pictures, and there's a picture of me in a. The sailor's outfit. Yeah, no, not a sailor. Because actually, we all got, yeah, everyone's yeah. got that picture. Yeah, I've got the sailor's outfit. There's a baby outfit. in the sailor's outfit. But there's a, you there's, not got one? No, man. I ain't got one. <laughs> that was like the thing in the early 90s. Like, yeah, mm, sailor's outfit. Relate. But there's a picture <laughs> of me. I have no idea what you're about. There's a picture of me in a yacht, actually, because they, they, they had a yacht, um, my grandparents, um, 28 foot boat, 
that they had in uh, pool, and there's a picture of me just sitting in the in the boat while boats bobbing up and down. So you know, wow. yeah, mm. man. How how did you feel about being mm. in uh, those natural spaces coming from the city? It was great. It was like, if, I mean, obviously being young, it's a, it's a holiday, right? You feel it's a holiday, but actually you sort of appreciate that the pace is a lot slower. It felt good for my mind, I think, actually. You kind of just can run about and roam around mm. and yeah, it was great. It was great. I'd encourage anyone if they have the chance to do it, do it. And it's like a lot of people, when they talk about holiday destinations, when you're going to do this summer or someone says, oh... I don't know, Ibiza or Portugal or whatever and some of these destinations. They're, they're all great, but what about like Peak District or Lake District mm. or something as a as a choice? Mm. I've never done those two. Mm. Actually, I think I did the Lake District when I was a lot younger, but I haven't done it in a long time. So I'd like to do one of those stretches. But no, to answer the question, it's wonderful to be out, you know, so. Mm. Mm. Patrick, mm. I, love, yourself, I love nature, man. Yeah. Like it gives me, gives me life. It, um, it's so important and... I think I've always had that kind of um, exposure to it. Um, even because so, I grew up not far from Thomas Stratford, but um, you're closer to Epping Forest, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but so even when I used to live in Stratford, I lived in Stratford and moved out to Chingford, which is like sort of right. That there's a part of Epping Forest that's really close to my house there, my parents' house there. But even in Stratford, we used to go to um, once the flats a lot of the time. Um, I don't know if you you know once the flats right. Yeah, that's that's basically like the start of Epping. Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you know East London at all, once the flats is essentially the beginning of Epping Forest, even though it's kind of broken up by all the sort of urbanisation now. Um, but yeah, imagine like living in Stratford, but you have that just up the road. Um, so it's just like just on the cusp of like Forest Gate and Leytonstone. Yeah, yeah, that weird sort of stretch. Um, and yeah. my dad used to my dad randomly my dad is very random, but um, <laughs> my dad used to build kites. Like from scratch, like use like glue and like wood really? and different materials. Some Mary Poppins thing, right? There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to literally <laughs> let's go fly a kite. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's proper wholesome, yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, so he used to build them. I remember he used to build. He once built this massive kite. It was probably about when I was little. It looked huge, like seven, eight foot. But it was probably about six foot tall. This big, big kite, and um, we took it to once the flats, and we used to just like we used to go there a lot. Um, we lost that kite to be fair the string broke and it like flew off into East London Cemetery we never saw it again oh mad but but yeah so from a young age um, used to go there a lot we um, also had like um, like a holiday home in what's it called Um, in Herefordshire which is on the border of Wales oh my dear I've been there before Um, in a place called Ross on Wye um, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and around there is just amazing like we used to go maybe like once Sometimes we went like twice a year, once, um, a couple of times. Sorry, um, but that like when you're there, it's like literally it's just this like kind of this little collection of cottages and then just like greenery. So it's like right by the Forest of Dean, mm. um, and yeah, like that. And then uh, when I when I was living in Rio, I was lucky to live in a city but have all that greenery around me as well. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I love most about that place. So. Like at the weekends, um, you could do these like hikes, or they call them trillias, uh, which is like a this trail in English. Um, and there's so many different ones, like sort of within the city, because you basically have Rio sort of that sort of hugs the coast, and then in the like middle of it, there's just like this this rainforest essentially, and mm. um, with mountains, or whatever else. Um, so yeah, man, and obviously Epping Forest in Chingford, where my family live now, like I love greenery, man. I just that, that smell of like sort of wet. 
mm-hmm. wet, wet green. It's just like, <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Cool. And Bilal, what's, what's your kind of journey been like or your experience with nature? You know what? Like, I didn't have a yacht or um, a holiday home or anything like this. So I'm sitting here like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and I don't really know what I'm going to say. Because like, what did I do? I went to the park. Like, you know, it wasn't, I didn't have like these getaway sort of places. Mm. But whenever, so when I was a little, we used to go back to Jamaica more often than since I've been an adult. Mm. And they just call it bush, like just bush, like at the back of the house where it just goes on for miles and miles yeah. and miles, just pure bush. And Gully. Yeah. And you, yeah, just be walking through bush. In Jamaica. And um, I think for me, that was my connection with nature is wandering through the bush in um in Jamaica, Jamaica. because it was like this untamed bit of like yard, bit of land mm. where you can just walk around. And um Where in Jamaica is your family from? So my grandma, well, my, my grandparents are both from St. Thomas. Okay. Um in a tiny little village near Morant Bay. Okay. Um and we, yeah, I'll just wander through the bush. And my mum would, I think my mum found it funny because it was like one city boy from London mm-hmm. wandering around the bush in the backyard in Jamaica. Um, and I've never, I think those sorts of uh, encounters with with nature, but in, not in this country, mm-hmm. made me have a disconnect with nature in this country. Right, mm-hmm. right. So when Tom was talking about like the Peak District and the Lake District, what I've literally never, it's never really crossed my mind to go mm-hmm. on holiday in, in the UK. Because mm-hmm. why would I? Like when I can go on holiday somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Why am I going to go wandering around the countryside here? But I think the older I get, the more I'm like, nah, that's that's kind of a cool thing to do. And I just haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, recently I was in Japan, for those people that know. Um, and I just had a whole connection with nature out there because Japan's like the most beautiful place, man. And, um, you know, it was autumn, so the trees were all red. Mm. And it was just beautiful. And I was just The wondering... thing is, Japan's sort of, like, known for its, like, urban, urban uh, sort of... But, it's... but it has a lot of nature mm. as well, right? Mm. And I had, like, this connection when I was out there. There was one night I was walking through, like, it's pouring with rain. I was up in the mountains, and it was, like, proper pouring. And I was soaking wet. Mm. And, like, I was, I've literally never been that happy. And it was mm. weird because mm. I was like, "This is this is so pure." Mm. So I, like, mm. I had an experience. Like an that. <laughs> <laughs> I had an experience like that as well. Like, I one of my favorite things to do, at least when I was driving, like if it was a thunderstorm, I was like, "This is the perfect time to go yeah. for a drive." You want to drive for a thunderstorm? Yeah, it was no, just mad. no. I Very loved mad. it. I really loved it. Like for the excitement. It, it's. I think it's just like. I like thunderstorms, like thunder, thunder and lightning. Because mm. there was another time um, I was in in the mountains as well, um, in sort of like rural, like the interior of Rio State. Mm. And um, I was on like, say I'm on this one mountain, on, on the next mountain, I can see like a thunderstorm, lightning storm mm. happening. And there's, there's no rain where I am. I'm just sort of chilling. It's nice and like warm and breezy. But it's just like, I don't know. It was just fascinating to just watch and just like, I don't know, experience nature. I don't it's know, interesting, man. man. Like, I think... Is, and you can kind of see the somewhat of a divide because like when Tom and you, Tom and uh, Patrick, when you're kind of talking about your experiences, it's kind of like you've had that um, exposure from a, a young age. Mm. You know what I mean, it's something, it was like a, fam- a family outing, something yeah, that you did yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And I can probably relate a bit more to Bilal's experience in the sense that it was nothing else. I mean, grew up in the city again. I grew up in um, Peckham and Camberwell. Mm. So like our main kind of bit of green space was Burgess Park. Mm-hmm. And that's where you go for like, you know, to kickball, to 
um, they have these, um, during the summer, they have these kind of festivals and stuff, like a South American one, and they have like a Afro-Caribbean one as well. Mm. And that's the only time you, I ever really kind of was out in green spaces. It wasn't really, mm. Mm. Um, I guess, due to location, but then just also, it's not, it's not something that my parents probably valued or saw as important growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be for a multitude of reasons. My kind of inclination is to say that it's due to, you know, they got mad other stuff to go on. They're just trying to survive and to yeah. go to work and yeah, just yeah. have us um, be somewhere safe. And I mean, growing up in a state as well is like very gray and it's concrete and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you kind of found adventure within those spaces, like mm-hmm. kicking ball in a cage or yeah, yeah. things like that. Um, but then it's only recently, again, similar to Bilal, like I realized, hmm, was I kind of like missing out on something mm-hmm. by not having that relationship with nature? And us growing up as, I mean, us being humans, a lot of our um, kind of, if kind of looking at from an evolutionary biology type of mm-hmm. um, space, we grew up in natural environments. Living in a city is, is something that's quite recent as far as our history goes. Mm-hmm. So biologically, there must be a lot of, well, to me, it feels like there must be a lot of potential mental slash physical mm. um, things that might be lacking from not being a detached from that kind of natural environment. For no, so definitely. Long. So I was, I was yeah. talking to someone uh, the other day and he said, oh, isn't it weird that we as humans, we drink milk from uh, animals uh, that aren't, our parents, I mean, we drink from cows and stuff. And that was, and, but, and then, and then That's someone, a really weird way and then someone else said, yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's just weird. Some weird, someone was trying to be really philosophical. And then yeah, another person said, yeah, that might be weird, but isn't it weirder that we as human beings sit down on a desk all day long mm-hmm. at work, whereas mm-hmm. every other species just doesn't do that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying working is bad. I'm just saying, like, from a primitive point of view, yeah. it's very different and potentially mm. perverse to what the rest of um I get I get what this person is saying. Like, it's not just our diet that's sort of where we sort of differ greatly from the rest of you know the animal kingdom or nature like mm. the fact that we coop ourselves up inside these buildings mm. and just sort of spend most of our days there we've managed to carve out a lifestyle for ourselves that's actually unhealthy for us mm. and against mm. our, our better interests mm. yeah. it's really powerful the neuroscience that's being done showing the impact that contact with nature has but also um, the harm the city environment can cause us mm. um, from raising levels of stress depression anxiety yeah. um, the pace of city living as you mentioned yeah. uh, being much faster elevating cortisol mm. Our body experiences the city very often um, as a threat and we respond as right. if we're in fight or flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it puts us in survival mode. So Whereas just looking at pictures of a natural set- setting, let alone actually being there, mm. um, reduces stress levels, mm. um, increases meditative feelings, mm. enhances our general sense of well-being. Mm. There's amazing research now with EEG headsets taking people out into... Um, real life situations in in natural spaces and it shows the um, impact it has on things like rumination um, chewing over stuff, negative Mm. self-talk that Mm. the areas of the brain responsible for that calm down in natural settings Mm. Uh, there are so many ways that that nature soothes us Mm. 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 I wanted to ask you Beth um, because obviously you you set up um, Wild in the City and I want you to kind of like talk a little bit about your experience with that but it feels to me and you know, I may be wrong, but just from my experience and even just kind of observing what the rest of, you know, the, the guys have said, 
Um, half of us have had exposure to nature from a young age. Half of us, no exposure really, and it's only mm. kind of a recent thing. Why do you think it is that us, as I guess black and mixed race people in this room, it seems like we have less kind of exposure to being in nature, mm. or maybe less of a value of it? Yeah, in these mm. yeah, that's been sort of an ongoing sort of research theme in my work, looking at why people of colour spend less time in nature in UK settings or Western settings mm. than white communities. Um, I, I guess to give some context, 98.2% uh, of people of colour in the UK live in urban areas. Mm. So I'm quite weird. I'm one of the 1.8% that Whoa. grew up in a rural Only setting. 1.8%? Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Suffolk, um, okay. in East Anglia, near Thetford Forest. Yeah, okay, yeah. So my playground was Fenland, woodlands, the open fields. Yeah, yeah. Um, literally right on the doorstep, I grew up on a small holding. So I'm very blessed in terms of having that immediate access, mm. always surrounded by nature. Mm. And when I moved into cities, um, it was really striking to see how some people, um, they don't consider nature normal. It's not part of their daily experience. Um, and I had that wake up call. I first moved into a city uh, up in Manchester going to university. And it took me a long time to realise, why do I feel a bit off? Why do I not feel quite right? And it's because um, I was so used to nature just being there, not having to make any effort to spend time. Mm -hmm. I realised it mattered to me. It was important. And I wasn't having like day-to-day -day regular <coughs> contact with the natural world mm. and as soon as I realized that's why I felt a bit off kilter I then went off enjoying walks in the, the Pennines and the peaks mm. but it took me um sort of time to realize it was missing yeah. um but yeah your question is perhaps why we spend less time mm. I think that there are many different reasons but a big theme coming up um when I talk with people is that they weren't taken by their parents and depending on your age their parents weren't taken by their parents mm -hmm. and often it starts with the journey of our migrations into the UK mm -hmm. and as you've mentioned sort of the pressure on families to establish themselves just busy trying to earn a living and create a sense of home and community mm. um, takes up a lot of time but also gathering to feel the, the comfort and supports of a network um, being with other people of colour which tended to be in urban areas um, so there's sort of the pressure of life and living and establishing yourself, um, but also the, the hostility that our parents and grandparents encountered coming to the UK, the experience of racism, being made to feel uh, unwelcome or you don't belong. And that's stressful enough when you are in a, a group of people of colour, but it's far more intimidating when you venture out into areas which are, are more remote and you're... Mm -hmm. um, mm more visibly exposed mm. um, so for a lot of people there is a fear of how they're going to be perceived if they step into countryside mm. um, the experience of being stared at mm. of um, facing hostility and, and being alone with that hostility mm. um, so often feeling safe is a big part of it mm. but once the pattern has started and that we're spending less time um, people lose a sense of um of what can be enjoyed in the natural world. We mm. lose a sense of what the trees are called, or perhaps we never had that in the first place. Yeah. And so we lose that bridge where typically in our countries of heritage, it's probably our parents and grandparents in a very normalised way, just pointing out what things are called, how you can yeah. use them. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that in the UK. You can feel a bit lost. Mm. Things feel a bit That's alien. So true. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, we're spending most of our time in cities. Um, and so our sort of allegiance is to a city culture um, mm. and perhaps is more of an importance placed on uh, what can feel like a more material um, 
aspect of culture where it's perhaps more about how you look um, how you present yourself to others yeah. what's success in a city might be different to what success in um, living comfortably in nature mm. um, so we just uh, our attention or focus is perhaps in a different direction mm. Mm. Oh, there's so many so many things that, the yeah. That, yeah one thing um that Bilal was saying that I, I, I and it's kind of linked with um what you were saying about having sort of um a knowledge and appreciation of um nature and sort of um trees and knowing the species of trees and stuff back home um it's kind of like because in this country i would never really like my granddad for example he sort of goes in between jamaica and and um, the uk a lot my my dad a bit more now as well um my dad sort of he's sort of sort of found his appreciation for nature in this country a little bit more recently um but it would be weird to see my granddad sort of going around in the forest here and mm. but mm. as soon as he goes back because where where my family from in jamaica is like sort of outside of mandeville it's very country um my dad grew up on a farm like like nature is sort of very much a part of yeah. our family and even when my grandma was around she was very <coughs> much a, like she she was a champion of like kind of using natural remedies rather than mm-hmm. kind of using medical mm-hmm. like pills and medication that way um but it's, it's almost like this kind of like you said like our, our lifestyle because of our lifestyle here it's like our, our brains switch and we're mm-hmm. like okay well mm-hmm. now that we're in this country um we kind of do things in a in a more british way, way. Mm-hmm. um yeah. So, yeah, I think it's like you, you have this appreciation for nature when it when it pertains to where where you're originally from. It's almost like you know the nature that we have back home. That's real nature, perhaps. Yeah. Mm, and then what we have here is just kind of like this grey, cold, not really the same. Like, why am I going to go for a walk in Edinburgh it. when it's cold? It's the sense that that nature in the UK for us is like a stranger. Where yeah. in countries of heritage, it's a friend, it's family. Yeah. We, we know it. Yeah. We yeah. feel it's welcome familiar. and comfortable there. Yeah. 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 Mm. Even the other day, Kwaku went for a walk. Remember, it was really cold. And you, what was it again? You remember that day? It was just really this week. It was so, so cold, and you'd like gone on a walk. Oh and I yeah. was like, why did you? Why? <laughs> why <laughs> would you do that? That was actually part of, part of the course. The yeah. Course yeah. That was um, which actually, I was hoping that Beth, maybe you can like expand a little bit about as far as like uh, nature connectors and yeah, yeah. So um, I set up Wild in the City. I think it's about 2013. Um, do you want the long? Sh- version or the short version you have some time okay well the longer version was um i set up as an extension of my private practice as a nature-based psychotherapist and i had been working with this young boy um black boy who was at risk of falling into um trouble with gangs and we've been working for a couple of years and I think by this point he was about 10, 11 and nothing indoors in the room felt age appropriate although he's very young he's presenting as this like 30 year old strong bravado total survival mode very angry and justifiably so um he wasn't yet old enough for sort of face-to-face eye contact but there was nothing in the room that was um sort of appropriate for for where he was at emotionally Mm -hmm. and it reminded me of myself 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. um in the fields where i lived looking out at this uh, endless horizon um which doesn't um disappear until the earth curves it's an amazing view over thetford forest and being really aware that actually home life wasn't happy um but i had this space and i had this way of of coping and feeling a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and it made me think of this young boy i was working with 
you know, he doesn't have that. What has he got around him mm. that can help him escape the pressures he's got and to feel a sense of belonging? And I started to think, what would this therapy be like if we were outside? Um, it didn't actually happen with that child, but it started started my journey in working with people um, in the outdoors. And I set up Wild in the City to be an organisation and, and have a larger reach um focusing on working with with people of color and one program we launched a couple of years ago is called nature connectors and it's helping people to feel more comfortable more confident in nature so that they can pass on the experience and the learning with their family friends and communities so by taking walks into local green spaces and learning about um what we're encountering the names of trees plants how they can be used in a meaningful way as as food or as resources uh, and enjoying experiences often gathered around the fire, reflecting on our relationship as people of colour, starting to increase confidence, but also raising awareness that there is a relationship to be had with nature. Mm. And for a lot of them, that's something we've lost. And for some people, there, there's a big trauma in that, that just with other significant others in our lives, if they're not there, we feel the impact of it, whether or not we're conscious of that. And it, it has an impact. Um, so it, it helps to open up nature um, to people of colour, but also just introduce, you know, this is on your doorstep. There are mm. a lot of people living in London that have no idea mm. how many amazing spaces we have. Um, I mean, you've mentioned sort of Epping Forest, Wanstead Flats, that, that London's 47% green space. Mm, mm, uh, yeah. It's really green city. Um, Quakey came along and um, is now one of six nature guides that we're training to help um, increase our capacity to work with people of colour. Uh, so nature guides is a more in-depth training um, experience in uh, lowland uh, walk leadership, bushcraft and living skills and ecotherapy. So it's helping to facilitate others and enjoying nature and natural spaces and being part of a bridge into nature for people of colour in the UK. Yeah, and that's been yeah. It's been a, oh, <laughs> I don't want to say, it's been a hard but a very valuable experience so far. I mean, I'm only kind of like two, three weeks into the training. Yeah, but like, <clears throat> what what about it has been hard? Yeah, well, coming from a place where I literally just haven't spent much time in Asia at all like up until like literally this year. Yeah. Well, well, early twenty. Were you afraid of stuff? Like, were you like, were you like apprehensive about like being around wildlife? Or... No, no, it wasn't even a fear. It's more so just a complete ignorance. Just like, mm. I mean, to this day, there's certain typical kind of terminology for things in nature that I don't, that I don't know the words for. So I'm kind of like calling a, a branch a, a, I don't know, a stem or like just just weird like, like <laughs> basic stuff you should know, right? Come like, on, I just man. Don't know. So, like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And know the difference between different trees and all that kind of stuff. So it's been it's been a learning curve and it's it's cool like also learn how to like navigate um with like maps and um, orienteering is quite fun, I would say. Like that's actually a really fun exercise to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's um, been it's been it's been a, a kind of a steep learning curve, but it's been a very um beneficial one. And again, it's the whole idea is so that I can then introduce um, you know, being in nature to people that don't have, you know, um I haven't had the opportunity in the past. Mm. Um, I wanted to talk about just because I probably know a bit about this only just because we we talk. But um, the experience that you've had a bit of pushback mm. as far as like you trying to set up your organization mm. and um, you know people seeing it as something that's exclusionary. For instance, trying to you know um, lead a, a group of people of color in nature. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your experience has been like setting up the organization and and, and some of those things? Yeah. Um... 
Oh, it's hard to know where to start because you're right. There has been a, a lot of pushback from um, largely from white people, but sometimes also from from black people that because we do spend less time um, in nature than white communities, that we're sort of a rarity, mm-hmm. and all sorts of assumptions are created that you know black people don't know about nature they don't like nature so as a black leader working in nature it's often really hard to um be seen as someone credible in in Mm. leading others Mm. Uh, there's an assumption of my not knowing um there's sort of a persistent low level um call for me to justify or to prove um rather than to just experience me and then make a judgment mm, but yeah. up front they they um sort of want more than credentials um but also there's sort of what i feel is a simmering um there's an aggression and a hostility to being in the space which is traditionally a white space i think if we're there as followers, that can be okay, but still with some politics. But right. there is discomfort with us being there as as leaders, right. as um, facilitators. Why? Because we're not like um, we're not like the kind of typical barber jacket wearing people that go on country walks and stuff. Or yeah, but I, I think that there's it's seen as their space and we can come into it rather than Mm. it's there for all of us um so i sometimes talk about the last white bastion this Mm. sense that for a lot of white people yeah that's where they get to enjoy Jerusalem and all of that you Mm. know yeah that's a very good point actually yeah yeah Yeah, that's a true like english song he's got a point like i know you're looking at us like what is he talking about so there's a song you know you know that hymn um don't don't, i didn't think you were talking about like actual jerusalem okay no you were looking at me no no i could yeah the hymn called green and pleasant land yeah about building jerusalem in england's green and pleasant land but that was like a little quick bit of context that was like a uh it was a period in history where it was um i don't know if it's the correct term you probably know better than i do but there was um Tolkien was one of the sort of um, sort of leaders of that as well, but um, pushing this um, idea of um, nature as being um, something that we should embrace and sort of attempt to shun sort of industrialism. Okay. So you, you see with Lord of the Rings, right? You know, like how um, you have the Shire and all that stuff and that represents all that's good mm. in Middle Earth. Mm. And then you have the very industrial kind of like Isengard and like Mordor and whatever. Um, so that was one of the examples of um, holding on to like nature and green and good things in England. Um, okay. And that hymn, I think, was written around the same time, or at least it, it shares mm. that same kind of history. Mm. I don't know if you know any better. About no, that. I think that's, that's a good It was something summary, like yeah. that. Someone listening will probably know better that's than mad me. That's um, never need it. But um, yeah, yeah. That was actually. So yeah. that's what Lord of the Rings is basically. Uh, it's anti industrialism, oh. actually. Mm. Like, what a, a large part of the. Because the, the, um, there was the narrative. I, I remember there was a debate. Um, on Good Morning Britain with, I think it was Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid. And there was also uh, Ben Fogel, who does a lot of like country file programs on BBC. I don't know if you ever watched country file and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're laughing because I guess we're not good fans of Good Morning Britain, all of us. No. (laughs) And who else was on there was um, uh, Afua Hirsch as well. And they were just talking about the idea of what is it to be English? And, uh, right. you know, and Ben Fogel was saying, yeah, we should be proud to be English. But it wasn't sort of from that, um, like a national front standpoint, yeah, we're proud to be English. It was like, yeah, we're proud to be English and Jerusalem and the country fields and mm. proud to, it was that sort of more, you know, nature. That was the angle mm. he was using about we should be proud and we mm. should be happy to go to Peaks and Pennines and Lake District and we should be happy to oh, definitely. indulge in, you know, 
God's green England. Mm. That was his point, and, mm. you know, so, yeah. Mm. It's very interesting, though, what you were saying about, like, the British countryside being, like, the last bastion of, of sort of, I guess, white Britishness. And it just goes to show, because we talk about this all the time, and I guess sometimes listeners think, you know, when we say, oh, you know, you don't really feel British, even though you were born and raised here, that is one of the many examples that we have. Like, you go to, a pl- like, you're just in- as entitled to accessing these green areas as people... Other people that are born and raised here, even mm-hmm. if they weren't necessarily born mm-hmm. here, as British citizens, but still, you're not seen as, as, um, as you know, worthy enough of, of, of you know, going there without being yeah. sort of shepherded around by someone that someone, is a, mm-hmm. someone of colour. If you, you go to any train station in London, any like train station that has a high speed train. I know, bring it back to trains, but hold on, it's not about trains. He loves <laughs> trains. Really. It's not about, no, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Any, any, any train station like Victoria, Paddington, Liverpool Street, etc. I whatever. think I've heard this analogy before. And right? you go on the, I think I've said this before. Yeah. Yeah. You go on any high-speed train mm-hmm. out. Um, once you're kind of half an hour, 45 minutes, um, you know, into your journey, you're going to be in countryside no matter which direction you head in. Yeah. Um, and that England is very different yeah. and we're talking once you get even like once you get to like the edges of the home counties things feel very very different Bro, um, in terms of not just the way it looks mm. but also just like the attitudes just we have the vibes mm. um, because, and the way it works yeah well. exactly yeah. exactly so you know like our experience in in London and us sort of being uh, made to feel somewhat somewhat comfortable being black, and I even say somewhat in inverted commas, mm. can almost completely change once you get out into the real countryside. You know what I mean? Mm. Where the makeup and fabric is very different, mm. um, and they still want England as it once was. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you go into sometimes these kind of very strong, um, uh, like bastions of whatever of mm. countryside and whatever, where mm. people will still be. Uh, Listen, you know, talking about like, Enoch Powell's speech word for word, for Even example, when we used to go so. for country walks in like, country walks in inverted commas in Epping Forest and you get to those like country pubs. Listen, when you get in mm. there, it's like, I don't feel like I should be in here, mm. man. Like, so this, the yeah. silence and the And this is, this is basically London. Like it's 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. outside of yeah. London. Yeah, that's so mm. mad. Another experience I find is if there's not hostility and you're greeted and welcomed, often it's still... Um, there's something very, uh, there's a narcissistic uh, dynamic going on in that you're pedestaled, you're seen as exotic. You're special. Yeah, it's great, you're here. So you're you're offered Mm. this sort of narcissistic um, lose-lose, either you're unwelcome and you don't belong or you're welcome because you're special and exotic Mm. and different, Mm. not actually accepting you or Mm. being able to to greet you as you are. Mm. It pulls you into having to perform or to to justify or defend yourself. Mm. It's it's quite a hard space to to be yourself in. Mm. I was going to actually ask, well, I mean, it might be the same thing, Mm. but just why is it important given all of what seems to be quite... um, somewhat difficulty in, in, in navigating these spaces why is it important that we as kind of people of color still make the effort to to try and occupy these spaces mm-hmm. and make it a part of our our lives like i know on a personal level what benefit is done for me as far as like mm-hmm. when i'm in these green spaces and in nature feeling more connected feeling mm-hmm. more somewhat at peace and something and one, one thing I noticed as well is like it it lasts that feeling kind of lasts mm. yeah. subsequent to actually leaving that's mm. when it's just that, yeah. that feeling of yeah. peace yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I, I, I mean that's my personal experience but why do you think more broadly or what evidence is there to show that you know something that we should probably 
as a group do more of? I think it's, it's knowing that we are entitled to enjoy these spaces, that they're ours as well. And it's um, sort of unpicking that process of being disenfranchised, of being made to feel we don't belong or it's not for us. Um, and acknowledging the impact that has on us in, in that separation, in being disconnected from nature. Mm. Um, as you say, it feels good to be there as, as long as you, you feel safe. Mm. And often the reasons we don't feel safe aren't to do with nature, they're to do with other people. Mm. Um, mm. And I think there is this myth that, that people of colour um, don't like nature. or um, But I think often what we don't like is we don't like the feeling of being unsafe in those spaces. And that's really quite different. And mm, yeah. um, that if we feel safe, you know, we, we love and enjoy that relationship. Mm-hmm. What I was going to ask was, um, so we mentioned that London is actually quite a green city. Mm. Um, do you think then that, um, do you think there's still an argument for actually leaving the confines of London and going further is it is a strong argument for sort of going further out of the city to kind of experience I guess real nature and inverted commas or you know do you think it's just as important to encourage people to make use of the green spaces that we have right here in the city? I think it's both. I mean, we've got such a, a blessing with the spaces we do have in the city that there's so much to enjoy. I bet if you look at um, a map and look at your yeah. house and just look at how much green space there is, mm. just go and visit, go and explore. Mm. Um, there's so much to see. And sometimes you see more in the city because the wildlife that there is is more concentrated. Right. Um, so, if you like, for example, if you like bird watching, you, you could see as much in a, a, an urban area as if you go off in to the, the woods in a, okay. um, an open countryside area um, but also yeah that there's so much to enjoy and explore Britain is such a beautiful country yeah, um, yeah you could spend the rest of your life enjoying the nature in, in mm. the UK do you have any sort of uh, sort of top like a top five kind of parks <laughs> in London or um, <laughs> top five <what>? question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I do have some favourites but I'd, I'd say to people go and find your own top five mm. because there's so much choice I've brought you all a little treat actually which Ooh. is um, a map of London as defined by the green spaces okay mm. right. that's um, cool so no roads no houses yeah, yeah. and it's just amazing how much variation mm. there is mm. um, I really enjoy I live in Croydon and I love a woodland called Cromhurst Woods it's largely beach and Oak. It's on a, a, a hill with an amazing view across um, South London. Mm. Um, a really nice feeling being in there. Mm. Um, to the north, um, Trent Country Park is beautiful. Lots okay. of woodland, acres of open meadows, lake. Is this still in South London, but just in the north? Trent Park is north, so it's oh. uh, between Barnet and Enfield. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it on a map somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I love woodlands, mm. uh, just being around trees. Um, it's interesting. I really enjoy hills and mountains as well. But as soon as you're above the tree line, yeah. I don't mm. quite feel as at home. I, I like to be mm. within the woodland. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like, um, I guess I'm thinking about people like ourselves who have day jobs and maybe have side hustles and have so many things going on in our day to day lives. How do you think, what do you think is like a, a way in which you can start integrating being in nature in maybe like a weekly or monthly schedule? And do you think there's like a kind of minimum uh, exposure that you, you need to start seeing these benefits of, of being in nature? Can I just can I just, on, yeah, I just, yeah. just say that? So like when I first started working and like left uni, I sort of asked this question, how can I actually get out of the concrete jungle, which is London or mm. what's one of the ways? And 
I took up running. Well, I'd taken up running before. I'd taken up running at uni and sort of running around Fenland and like the Gog Magog um, fields and stuff like that. And um, but in London, uh, I was running uh, around the route called the Greenway, which is like a Thames path, and it mm. runs all throughout London. But in my my section, East London is called the Greenway. It will take you from just it just it. It's weird because it's just like. It was this old Victorian, it's on top of an old Victorian sewer. This um, It's not a sewer anymore. But it just takes you from one um, part of Greenland or Woodland to another part in London. Oh, and if nice. you follow it, it's just so this, you know, you just sort of go into untapped parts of even your area that you didn't even know existed, so to speak. Yeah. So that's one way I did it, was just running and just sort of running mm -hmm. around and finding mm -hmm. some green space. But I'll let you answer the question in a better way than I can. Yeah, well, there's so much you can do, whether you've just got sort of five or ten minutes, and often that all it takes is to feel the, the benefit of just relaxation and calming down. So going to the park on your lunch break, having five minutes just mm. to, to tune in and chill out. If you enjoy meditation, it's really powerful to, to do that in a natural setting. You'll probably find that personally you have different um, habitats that make you feel differently. So some people really like water. Mm. Um, some people mm. it's having a horizon. Like with myself, it's being around trees. So just enjoy finding you know what kind of habitat you like. Um, but as you're saying, um, Tom, there's many, many uh, walks and pathways throughout London. So you've got the London Loop, which goes around the outer uh, perimeter of London. You've got the Capital Walk, the Green Chain, and all sorts of localised walks uh, in Lee Valley, um, mm. Vanguard Way down in Croydon, yeah. and just enjoy exploring. Um, so there's set walks already, or just create your own, do some park hopping, say, you know, in my borough, in my ward, I'm going to try and uh, get from one end to the other, just going through the parks, just, mm. just enjoying. There's a really good, um, when I was running, there was a really good route that took me up from Stratford to Tottenham, and it literally just, no roads, just a single a path. Mm. And Is that by the um, Lee Valley? Yeah. Yeah, the, the so like, canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you run up, starts at Stratford, mm. uh, Hackney, Clapton. Then you sort of get up to, like, there's a Walthamstow marshland. Yeah, I know there, you mean. And then you get up to Tottenham. Then it sort of get, you can yep. carry on if you want onto sort of Ponder's End and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, that's basically yeah. what my dad does now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't, really fun to he do. doesn't run, but much. he he, he walks you. like 10 kilometres. Thank you. She's just giving us a giving a you some maps. Yeah, it's really exciting. This year, oh, London's wow. becoming the world's first national park city. Okay, uh, it's a, a campaign that's supported by the mayor, wow. and there's going to be a week launch in July to to celebrate. But something that we've already created wow. is a map of London just depicting the green spaces mm, as I was mentioning green and blue yeah, yeah. and it is amazing to see how much nature there is mm, um, if you want one of these maps visit uh, nationalparkcity.org.uk and you can get one uh, via the website this is great thanks a lot yeah. honestly this is wow yeah, it's a really exciting initiative that um, borrows from the idea of national parks mm. like the peaks and, and the lakes and yeah. applying those principles to the city right most of the principles, not all of them. Mm. Um, but the idea is to encourage urban residents to really value and appreciate the green spaces that we do have. Yeah. Yeah. And to think about how it can enhance us, not just our personal well-being, but economically mm. um, and in terms of our physical and emotional health as well. Cool. Wicked. Well, I think just as we're beginning to wrap up, um, it's worthwhile, Beth, if you can just quickly plug where people can find you. Because I'm really keen for people to... 
um, obviously at their own time start exploring nature more yeah. but also as we talked about having that feeling like they have that safe space where they can do it with other people from similar backgrounds yeah. um, and I, you know Nature Connectors of course was something that really helped me do that and as an introduction for me so if you could just plug where people can find you and the course and um, yeah yeah um visit wildinthecity.org.uk um we've got lots of information on there and also a listing of all our upcoming courses our next nature connectors course is going to be um, in april and uh, we also run monthly walks the first sunday of the month you can sign up to become a member of wild in the city and get some fantastic offers and reduced rates um this year we've got all sorts of walks camps retreats and festivals coming up so come along join us and and really enjoy spending time with people of color in nature Wicked, wicked. And one of those days you might find me there leading the leading that walk. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when, when are you gonna guide us, man? Um, <laughs> let me get my training down and then do you know what I mean? And I can well, probably quickly there's the invite because I'm producing a podcast called Bandem in the Woods. Oh, oh words. Yeah. Okay, okay let's, let's get that plug. Yeah, so yeah, random in the woods. Um, do uh, we have social media for that yet? We, not yet, no. But um, presented cool. by Kwaku and Mike, another guy who's a, a nature guide. Um, You're on another podcast. You're on another podcast, Kwaku. I'm all about the gaff. Do you know what I mean? Random in the woods. Come along. Mike is cheating on us. How long is the training process, by the way? How long is the training process? This is going to be a year-long training. Okay. Yeah, and it's modular. so it's very comprehensive yeah, 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 it's deep. Yeah. So, quick, you're going to be like the Black Ray Mears or, yeah. you know hey, what I mean? Nature like, Boy. Yeah, man. Nature Boy. Nature Boy. Nature boy. Yeah. Just be me. seeing you wear green jackets and wellies. On brand the all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, but thank you, Beth, so much for joining us. And we had really enjoyed um, kind of talking about nature mm-hmm. and um, I guess inviting other people and the listeners to explore that further and see how they can integrate that into their own mm. lives. Mm. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, guys. We are wrapping up. Bill, I was so much better at this than me, but like, <laughs> no, quick, you done, you done, man. You solid, yeah, Cool, well, you've done this before as well, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah rather, fair enough. Like, right. it's like it's day right. off for me. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. So, well, if you had any questions about some of the topics we covered, um, you can always shout us on emails: otbpodcastuk at gmail.com also on the social media, Twitter, Instagram, otbpodcastuk. Give us a shout. And yeah, check you next time. Thank you guys. <laughs>